Welcome to City on a Hill Gaming, a 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons actual play podcast. Let's meet our players. Hi, I'm Grant, and I'm playing Trather Wimblin, a human fighter. Hi, I'm Jenny, and I'm going to be playing John Abermere, a crimson-born human. Peter, Bertrand Greystone, Dwarven Forge Cleric. William R. Ericocro Magi. Daniel, I am playing Vatten. I am a half-elf ranger. Hi, my name is Ben, and I am Twig, or Shem. I am a rogue bard and a, a goliath. We hope you enjoy our episode. You and the rest of Faded Hollow are sitting in the cave you guys tend to use sort of as a somewhere between a home base, like it's like a it's not your main base. It's sort of like a base away from base. That was terrible. Way station. Yeah, there you go. We'll use that. It's sort of like a way station where you guys kind of hang out when you're preparing for a job. Uh and as bandits like you are, you take a lot of jobs. Um, usually for a lot of money, doing a lot of, you know, stuff that is frowned upon by some people. Um, and your boss, Hondo, is a real big fan of the ones with, with a lot of money. And will take just about any job. It doesn't matter how dangerous or dumb it is. If it pays well, that's all that really matters. And, and you guys usually come out just fine. Uh, no one, No one on your end really gets hurt. Usually no one gets hurt at all. Which is, you know... Always the preference, but you know, lately, Hondo has been taking more chances. Um, you guys are sitting around, and he Hondo walks in. Hondo's a uh, rather above-average height, uh, tabaxi fella, and uh, he walks in. Well, uh, right. We got uh, another job for tomorrow, so get some rest. We're gonna hit a caravan. Bunch of halflings. Take what they got. I got a buyer for uh, their biggest item. We'll move on from there. Perfect. And uh, so you, you look around the room. You see a couple other people. Hondo. Hondo's there. His uh, pet baby owl bear, Littles, uh, is following him around, hopping around, chirping. Um, you see Ogma. Ogma is a an orc gentleman. Uh, Ogma is not second in command. Ogma wants to be second in command. Second in command falls to Shay. Uh, Shay is a uh, an elven ranger, and everywhere Shay goes, so goes her bodyguard, BWB. BWB is a very large warforged gentleman uh, with a very large warhammer slash battle axe. Depending on what, yeah, you know what mood he's in, he rotates. Uh, and then you also have Gerald, who is a, a human rogue. You and Gerald kind of are in the bottom of the gang. You do a lot of the grunt work, but it, it still pays fairly well. You two get along, and uh, no one really gives anybody problems, but everybody handles things differently. Hondo's big thing, my gang, my way, kid. We do what I say when I say it. You know where my line is, and your job is to figure out where you can get without crossing it. So, so sort of his policy is, look, don't tick me off, but whatever you do up to that point's fine. Um, and the only one who ever pushes it is Shay. 
Shay is unnecessarily aggressive at times. She usually just uses two short swords, but when Shay's in a real mood or someone's being uncooperative or not, uh, not, you know, being forthcoming with information or, or such, she also carries heavily poisoned darts. And by heavily poisoned, I mean like, like immediately poisoned. It tends to end badly when she uses them, and she seems to, you know, not have a lot of restraint on when she uses them, and Hondo doesn't really care. But it, it tends to be a bit much at times. So you guys, you guys are sitting around. Uh, Hondo's, you know, talked about the new assignment, so we're, uh, we leave at, we, we leave at sunrise. So everybody get a good night's sleep, pack your gear, ready to go in the morning, we're gonna, you know, do the usual. Make lots of money. And uh, everyone goes to bed except Ogma, who begins sharpening his uh, arrows. Which he often does before a job because he's very particular about things. All right. And uh, before we head out on a job, I'm going to do my usual ritual of checking my pack, making sure everything's in order where it needs to be extra travel provisions just in case we get waylaid or stranded or you 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 rifle through your bag uh at least 18 or 19 of your 20 cow traps are present you look over and littles is uh playing with one of them kind of like batting it back and forth uh and then he sees you seeing him and he uh very sheepishly pushes it back at you and shuffles away all right all right uh, and also your insect repellent is in there, because that's a thing you have. Yes, and I've always had. Apparently, yes. Uh, that's actually something uh, Hondo taught you to make, uh, using the leaves from a couple of different trees and, and flowers from a couple of different plants. It uh, it actually creates quite a a little area where bugs of most average sizes uh, will not traverse. And the thing thing i like most about it it's that it still smells very woodsy so you can still hide pretty effectively because some some of the other ones just like they're very off-putting so it's very obvious that something's yeah 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 it can get it can get pretty obvious when you're getting near a camp of travelers or merchants because they usually put up big billowy clouds of this really smelly stuff and it's so easy to find them it's the disadvantage of mass amounts of people not wanting to be bit by angry, tiny, D&D statted mosquitoes. Don't say statted mosquitoes. I mean, what? We didn't talk about swarm rules before we started. What are you talking about? It's not, that's not a thing we're going to use at any point. That's, that's actually... I don't know if that's true or not. We'll see. They seem complicated. <laughs> uh, okay, so you guys wake up the next morning. Right, and, and before, the, before early. Well, before bright, I guess. Um... Because you, you leave at dawn, so you must be up pre-dawn. And you ever, you see everybody kind of doing their usual. Ogma's still sharpening arrows. Uh, Shay is sharpening swords. Uh, BWB is retrofitting his armor. Because he can, he can change the configuration of his armor, depending on the situation, as long as he has enough time. So he seems to be going from, from like a... Like down, from, like down a grade or two to like a lighter armor. There's just like a chest that he takes, like he can take parts of his carapace off, put it in the chest, and he takes a different part out and puts it back on. He's like a Lego set. 
Yeah, like um, Bionicle. Oh, what were the? Thank you. Oh, man. <laughs> I had exactly one of those. I think I yeah I, I vaguely remember having like one or two Bionicle. Like I can sort of see one in my head. It was one of the early days. Yeah, yeah. I lost the mask almost immediately, and then the little thing, the little disc that it launched. Ooh, I found pictures. That's a deep cut that we need to not go down. Okay, backing up. That's a mistake. There was a cartoon, wasn't there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that sort of launched their foray into other media. Because this is like before Lego movies. This is before Ninjago. Yeah, that's Oh, my Lego. gosh, these things, man. That's, that's where Lego had what we uh, in the industry refer to as mission creep. Ooh, we could do where a thing. Start, they started doing things not Lego. Yeah. Oh, and they all had names like volcanoes. Uh, oh my gosh! Move, Sorry, move folks. I apologize. Look, it's we're gonna move on before we realize how incredibly lame this is. And uh, yeah, that's accurate. Oh, how close am I to a Walmart that sells Legos? Okay, wait. What? Sorry. Um, I've not bought. Don't go down that yeah, I don't, yeah. No, that's a mistake. I haven't bought multiple sets over the last five years. I don't know what go, you're talking about. Go to the aisle next to it that sells the magic cards. <laughs> or that. I definitely don't need to do that. Okay, so you guys set out of the cave. Hondo splits you into teams. You will be with Gerald and Hondo. Uh, and Ogma and Shay and BWB will be together. Hondo likes putting Shay and Ogma together because Shay likes to give Ogma orders. And Ogma likes to not follow them because he wants to be giving orders instead. And Hondo thinks that's amusing for some reason. And I like to not be in that group. Yes, and he knows that, and he's okay with that. So he goes with you and Gerald. Agmache and, and BWB set off, and you guys kind of take a split at, at a, a rough area where he, he tells the groups to split up, and you come across a trail. And you know that trail is usually frequented by a lot of merchant caravans. And you, you guys tend to avoid this area because the caravans that take this road usually come with security, um, rel relatively heavily armed security, so they, they, you know, can be a little more difficult, but they also have the best things. So you guys set up in your positions, in your teams, and you guys are actually there for uh, not all that long uh, before you see a cloud of smoke, or not smoke, dust, um, kicking up from the trail. You you think that's probably uh, probably a caravan that has multiple carts in it. Make me perception check. And make me a stealth with advantage after you do the perception. All right. Well, good thing you already told me. I saw a dust cloud. Yeah, you, you definitely see the dust cloud. It could be one card. It could be seven. It's probably just like one. Look, looks like a cloud of dust, boss. Look at that dust, boss. All right. Uh, and stealth with advantage. High is 21. High is 21. And okay. So you, th you think you guys are pretty... That was sort of a collective stealth check for, for the lot of you. Uh, you guys think you're pretty pretty well hidden. Yeah, and, I know uh, the trail. I, I know the spots. We're tucked into a nice little... You know where the scouts usually look and, and where you can kind of finesse some things. Uh, so you guys see in the distance, you can sort of peek out between the rocks and see it, uh, but still maintain your cover uh, if you pull your, your cloak and stuff up. You see a caravan of four carts, and walking alongside the caravan, so there's a couple people leading the, the horses and stuff, but aside from them, you see three halflings, and then a real big warforged. 
big shield, big big sword, kind of marching in between the uh, carts. But you you think you see him, but that he's kind of trying to blend in with the carts. Like his uh, he's got a big shroud on that makes him similar in color to the uh, banners on the cart, the banners for the business whose whose caravan it is. So they they kind of make their way, and uh, as they get close to your your position, Shay. Shay's usually the one who greets, you know, makes introductions um, when you guys rob people. Yeah. To, to put it bluntly. Uh, but before before she moves, Ogma hops on top of this rock. He, he peers down at the, ha ha, little ones. Give us all your things. We have come to take them. Resistance is, is ill-advised. Resistance is useless. Or futile, if you really like Star Trek. So a couple things happen. The halflings look very concerned. The big Warforged pulls a weapon. Shay face palms. Hondo face palms. Gerald face palms. And BWB just kind of looks confused. Um, but generally amicable like he always does. The Warforged pulls a weapon. The, the halflings kind of look like they're ready to fight if they have to, but no one seems excited about it. And before anything else happens, Shay steps around the rock. Right. Well... Um, hmm. ignore the orc. Uh, he is correct. We have come to take uh, what is in your caravan, but, uh, yeah, just ignore the orc. I don't really have anything else. Um, and BWB steps out behind her, and, yeah, so, we're going to take all your things. So if you want to lay your weapons down, that would probably be your best choice. And, uh, yeah, makes everything go much more smoothly. And Hondo smiles. He seems more pleased that she's doing the talking. That's why she's the second in command. And the halflings seem a little confused. A bunch of people are yelling at them about giving up stuff that they don't really have any plans to, and they're not really sure what's happening. But the Warforged... So he steps to the front, slams his, his sword into the ground. Right. Um. So. Hello. Uh, I got this caravan. We're going to make our delivery. Uh, I apologize for any inconvenience that we may cause you by not surrendering, I suppose. Right. That's, uh, my apologies again. Really don't think that's what's going to be happening. I, uh, just don't see it working out that way. And he whistles, and several other people, so the, the halflings kind of run towards the carts and jump into the, the covered sections. And a couple of other people hop out of the sides. And these other people that have hopped out of the sides all seem to be relatively well armed. And... Make me an initiative check. Good, sir. Okay. All right. So, for for everyone keeping track at home, I'm now using my level 2 stats. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have as much initiative as I normally do. Oh, that thing you got from Ambush went away, didn't it? Yeah, Gloomstalker gave me a bonus to initiative. All right, so it's eight. Hondo just kind of looks like, you know, whatever about the whole thing. Make me a roll for Gerald as well. Uh, do it at plus three. All right. <laughs> Gerald is worse than me. He's at a six. Um, all right. Real quick, I want to do something kind of funny before we actually start fighting. Okay, yeah, yeah, you're good. I'm going to roll. 
I'm going to look at Hondo and roll insight to see if I can see if he's surprised by this or if he was expecting an armed escort. So just kind of. Okay. Yeah. Go for it. Just read his face to see what he's thinking. And make me a. Wait, and what was this on? Insight. Okay. Um, and make me another perception check while you're there. All right. Because things have changed around you. Lots of things are happening. All right. All the things. Perception. Ten on insight. Okay, we'll do the we'll do the uh, perception first. Um, you think you you look at the the lot that hop out and get around the um, that uh, get around the warforge. You take a good look at them. You're pretty sure these are mercenaries. Like someone hired mercenaries expecting trouble somewhere along this path. Uh, as to your question about Hondo, while he doesn't particularly look phased by the whole situation, he does. He doesn't look super surprised either that there are bodyguards. You you think he might not have actually. You think he may have had it. You you think there's a good chance he had an idea this was coming. Yeah. Well, I guess I have to sit and contemplate that for a while till my eight initiative rolls around. That still makes you second, to be fair. <laughs> wow. Because I've got a twenty-one and a two. Uh, I will go first. Uh, so out of one of the cards, a human gentleman hops out with a rapier. And kind of makes his way towards you guys. And not far behind him is a, a little dwarf. But it actually looks like a dwarf robe. Which is not something you've seen before. Necessarily. Not a, a super common thing. Uh, so he will make his way into line of sight of you. But he will not be able to reach you. And it is your turn. I guess if he can't quite reach me yet. I will. I'm going to use Hunter's Mark. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Okay go for it. Alright. So I'm going to mark it. It's nice when there's a crowd. Because that means I get to move it around. All right, I'm going to put a hunter's mark on him, and I'm going to attack with a bow. Make your attack. Does an 11 hit? Uh, No. No, okay. I don't know if that means my hunter's mark fizzles. I don't believe so. It's a... Let me look at hunter's mark just to be sure, but I'm pretty sure it'll maintain until you move it. Hunter's... Yeah. What? Okay. Yes, yes, yes. It it maintains until I move it. It just does an extra d6 on a weapon that hits it. Okay. So it's good. I typed in hunters, and then it suggested hunter. Oh, I thought it said hunter's shark. I'm like, what is a hunter's shark? It's a hunter shark. Which we're gonna save for later. Um, right. Hun yeah, hunter's mark should stay. You get, you just get bonus damage if you do hit. Yeah, and I get to move it around, and it makes it easier to track them. Uh, okay, Gerald will make his move. He will step forward and engage this gentleman. Uh, but he will critically miss. And Gerald actually uh, stumbles and falls over. Uh-oh. Uh, and now it is the dwarf's turn. He will throw a dagger at you. Oh, does an eight, an eight doesn't, uh, eight doesn't hit you. It will not hit. It will not hit you. All right, the uh, human... He, uh, he actually kind of gets a little caught off guard by Gerald dropping, and he, you know, kind of just moves around him and comes to get you. He doesn't uh, seem particularly 
driven to hit a, a man who has, you know, fallen over inadvertently. The 16 hits you. Yes. You take five. Ow. It is your turn, sir. He is all up in your area. In my personal space. He is not repulsed by the bug repellent. Uh, well, that is both um, disappointing and reassuring. Touche. <laughs> all right. Uh, if he's all up in my face, I will switch to a short sword. And I guess a 22 hits. Uh, it does. Except, surprise, he's actually a swarm of tiny ants. No. Um, no, no, no. It's all gone sideways. No, uh, 22 definitely hits. All right. Roll and... with your damage, good sir. All right. So that will be... As a hunter's mark, 2d6 plus 3. Shiny. So a total of 10. Okay, he will take your total of 10. And... Gerald will stand back up, rather confused and disappointed, and he will go talk to friend Dwarf about uh, that, hanging out more. That was, that was the log. Moves, moves the rock off <laughs> to the left and then back again. Tel- telepathically. He fell down um, real hard. Did I roll head. another natural one? I did. I d- don't kill Gerald. He shows up later. <laughs> He does. Uh, so he falls down again. Um, this time the uh, the dwarf, he runs and tries to swing his uh, greatsword at the dwarf and the dwarf just kind of full rolls under him and kind of sticks his leg out. And Gerald falls, but he kind of the dwarf actually reaches out and grabs him by the back of the shirt so that he doesn't just like face first smash into the ground. And then just kind of lowers him down and pats him on the head. If there's a bard anywhere in this group, can at this point, can there just be a sound that just goes... That was terrible. And not matching your key, which is unfortunate. But I can't match, match so that doesn't actually surprise me at all. Um, That's all right. You can pitch shift and post. Ooh. Auto-tune. No. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Never with the auto tuning, terrible. Okay, so that was the uh, that was Gerald's turn. Uh, the dwarf is going to look around, kind of confused by this whole thing, and he is going to try and throw. He's going to he's going to try and pin Gerald to the ground with a dagger. He misses. And Gerald kind of it, this time Gerald rolls out of the way. He he falls a lot, but he's real squirmy. He is. Uh, it is now the human gentleman's turn. And he will try and poke you with his rapier. Um, he I gets an, he, he, You do, because he gets an 11. And yeah. uh, you knock it out of the way, and he seems surprised at your fighting technique. Well, yes, I shall, after doing a convincing parry, I shall now repost, which is, is the... The, the strike after the initial deflection. Right. I'll, that sounds good, actually. I, I, I'll take your word for it. Yeah. I, he just, I worked he, with a guy who was a fencer at one point. Oh, dope. Yeah. Uh, he's he's just... 24 hits him. He is so surprised that that 24 lands nicely. 
no one else uses the fourth form of lightsaber combat like he does, except apparently you. And I shouldn't have made that joke, because I can't remember what the fourth form of lightsaber combat is called now. <laughs> Listen, the only thing I remember is that on uh, Jedi Outcast, it was blue, yellow, or red. Really? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. You had, you had light, medium, and strong. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, sure, 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 sure. Uh, the fourth form, for those of our audience who are interested, is Ataru. All right, well, there we go. We're all learning things today. Uh, uh, practiced by Yoda. Yeah. So flippy, there you go. Flippy yeah. Flippy oh, this looks so much better now. Yoda and Qui-Gon Jinn. Yeah. All right. Uh, Very cool. Of, okay. I'm, I'm going to repost him for another 10 damage. Yeah, you I'm are. Nice, heavy hit on him with my short sword. Yeah, you do. He is very... Very confused by this whole situation. This has not gone according to plan. They had come to just very kindly repulse a small group of bandits. And this is this has gone well for some and real terribly for others. Uh, it is the dwarf's turn. He sees his friend is in trouble and just kind of pats Jarl on the head and does a tumble and tries to throw a dagger at you, but that's innate. So that's not going to happen. It's okay, Gerald. I've distracted him. We're, we're good, buddy. We're going to be fine. Everybody's... We're good. All right. Um, oh, man. I used his real name. <laughs> but the code, Daniel. You can't break the code. Um, you look across to the other side of the trail, and the... So the Warforged um, that was part of the caravan and the two others fighting with him don't seem to be doing great. Um, he's, he's fine because he's all made of, of armor and stuff. Uh, but the other two are, are having some trouble. Ogma is being surprisingly efficient, which is unusual. Um, but one thing you do notice is that BWB, uh, looks a little confused by the sight of another Warforged and refuses to engage it, despite Shay repeatedly ordering him to. That's not going to go well. And and she is very confused because BWB never doesn't listen to her. He has been her bodyguard since she was a little kid. And he always listens. But for whatever reason, seeing another Warforged, which I you think he probably doesn't... Actually, make me an insight check. Aw, oh, not again. All right. <laughs> Plus one. Cha-ching. Okay. Well... Um, you get the impression that he probably hasn't seen a lot of Warforged in the past, and the idea of causing harm to another, you know, living construct like him is an issue for him, to some extent. He doesn't seem to have wrapped his head around, around that concept, despite being told repeatedly to do so. Um, your boy's struggling a little bit. I think they misprogrammed in the first law of robotics. Wait, what's the first law of robotics? Uh, that a robot can do no harm through action or inaction to a human person. Oh, yeah, they definitely misprogrammed that for him. Yeah, it's, it's you know, I robot, but uh, same author, but, you know. Oh, okay. 
a better body of work than just iRobot. I never have watched that. Um, you guys are having your little back and forth with the mercenaries hired to guard the caravan. Um, you're, you're having a pretty good run against the, the human gentleman. Gerald is having a pretty terrible run against the dwarf friend. Um, and Shay and them are having their issues with the others. Uh, Ando steps in. Ando doesn't usually do much unless he has to. But seeing as things aren't really going the way he planned, he, so, Hondo's a, an older tabaxi, but still surprisingly agile for his age. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. Uh, okay, so he kind of flips up on one of the rocks and then flips off of it and lands next to the dwarf and just kind of picks him up and shoves him against, you know, like, shoves him towards one of the trees. Hondo appears to be over this moment. Um, this is taking longer than he expected. Yeah, I was feeling all good about myself until I saw Hondo do that. And I was like, oh, my sword fight is meaningless. <laughs> um, the human gentleman who you are engaging in the fourth form of lightsaber combat with, um, I believe I said Ataru, uh, he kind of... He sees he sees what Hondo does. He notices how things are going for his friends, and he realizes he's the only one really in any position to. Even he's kind of struggling a little bit. Um, he just kind of gives you a look of, this is not going how I planned. Uh, I'm curious to whether or not I can run. I am going to. Discreetly like point my head behind me in the like the little path okay oh like out this way yeah just just like jerk my head that way and slightly lower my sword he makes one roll past you and then just kind of when he's fairly comfortable everyone else is distracted just kind of rolls out and moves away yeah so he as as he rolls past me i'm just gonna swing slow and wide arc over his head and he he's out of sight either way yeah just so it doesn't look like i i just went right yeah he goes full solid snake dives under a box and scurries away and okay so hondo has kind of dealt with the dwarf friend and he picks Gerald up and just kind of looks at him a little disappointed. And the others seem to have kind of also been dealt with. And you're to the point where the, the only thing remaining is the Warforged gentleman and then the three who were actually with the caravan when it started, the halflings, who don't appear to be necessarily the same level of combat proficiency as the mercenaries. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and Shay has kind of the the fight's kind of died down at this point. She looks over at BWB. What is your problem? When I gave you orders, you listen to me. No one else, you know that. I'm disappointed. She walks over and just kind of puts the Warforge out of the fight. 
and you see BWB just kind of drop his head, and she kind of barks in order, and the three halflings climb back out of the caravan and kind of walk forward with their hands up. And you guys seem to have this pretty well in hand at this point. No one is really giving you guys any trouble. You've kind of dealt with everything that might be problematic. And as you see them walk forward, you see her reach down to the spot on her cloak, like kind of, it's like a, like a sash she wears, where yeah. she keeps her daggers, like the little dart, the poison darts, and she's pull, she pulls one and starts flicking it between her fingers. Hmm. Well, there's more resistance than I expected, to be honest. You, uh, you hired a good lot of mercenaries, I'm impressed. Unfortunately, well, fortunate for us, I guess, unfortunate for you, that didn't work out as you expected. So, we will be taking what we came for. And she kind of goes to flick the dart at whatever halfling she kind of has determined in her mind to be um, responsible for this caravan. And she just kind of takes aim and just lets the dart loose. I will give you a moment, if you wish, to respond. Uh, yeah. Um, so, if she's letting the dart loose, uh, why don't I try for a really, 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 just give me like a nigh impossible trick shot of shooting the dart out of the air. I dig it. I dig it. Go for it. Because at, at this point, we've all had a hard fight. They surrendered. We really just need to grab this stuff and get out before somebody else shows up. We don't need to make this any bloodier than it needs to be. So, yeah, she's going to let go of the dart, and I'm just going to shoot an arrow, and we'll see. We'll let Pythagoras work out the rest. Geometry. Yay. Okay. So, you take a shot. Um... And it, it's pretty obvious that you're the one taking the shot. You're, you know, there's only a couple yeah, people in the group that, that use arrows, and it, it's pretty obvious that you're doing it. And Yeah, I'm, I'm not hiding it. You miss, but from uh, behind one of the rocks, sort of a distance away, a bolt of light shoots out, and the, the dart just kind of gets held in place. It just kind of stops. And then it drops to the ground. And Honda looks around, a little confused by all of this. And he looks over at you. And it, I, you, you know Honda, like, like I said, despite being a bit of an older tabaxi, still very agile. You blink, and he's right in front of you. Uh, he just, he just kind of looks at you. Huh. I told you to get close to the line, kid. And say anything about crossing it. And say that, say that to Shay. Huh. Uh, she knows where the line is. Do you? 
Different line. But like I say, kid, my gang, my way. And he swings around and kind of trips you and then punches you square in the face, knocks you out. Uh, yep. You come to, you're tied up to one of the trees. He's standing over you again. Ah, that and that's a shame. I like you, kid. You're smart. You, uh, you got a good instinct about you. Good survival instinct, and, uh, you've been good for the group. It's a shame. Really is. But, uh, like I said, you walk too close to the line. And I know, uh, your line's different than mine, and I, I get that. That's okay. But, uh, like I say, my gang, my way. My line. And he just kind of pats you on the face. And you look up, and you can tell it's probably been several minutes, actually. And they have the... The, uh, the halflings are kind of all tied up. And they tend to, they seem to be kind of searching through the caravans, making sure they're seeing what they're looking for. And then BWB is pulling two of them at a time and kind of heading back to camp. Uh, Hondo just kind of walks past you and walks off. All right, we're done here. Let's go. And they pack up and they leave. Shay walks over. Picks the dart up off the ground and walk, walks over to you and just kind of looks at you. That and I, I liked you. That was, um, didn't always agree with you, but that, that's like, like he said, that's okay. But, um, yeah, that doesn't cut it with me. Clearly doesn't cut it with him. So we're just going to leave you here. Sorry. Uh, your time in Faded Hollow appears to be over. And she, takes the dart and just kind of pokes you in the shoulder with it. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, kid. But, uh, my gang, my way. Don't know how much longer it'll be the old man's. She pats you on the face, too, and you kind of, your vision gets a little blurry. And you start to kind of wobble, and you pass out again. When you come to, you no longer feel the ache in your arm. You're no longer tied up, and you are pretty sure whatever poison was on the dart doesn't seem to be causing you any problems. And you see the halflings are no longer tied up either. There's a woman standing, kind of, standing and, and sort of also kneeling at times next to you. Are you all right? That, is it? Uh, uh, um, I'm going to sit up and, like, grab my shoulder and look at it where I was cut. Uh, no cut there anymore. I, I, I guess I am all right. Mm. Well... I, uh, you made an interesting choice back there. That can't have been easy, but, uh, Yahweh sees your choices. And 
you tend to not do things in the manner to which your group was accustomed, and uh, I respect that. I uh, apologize for not getting here sooner. But maybe it's better they don't know you're still around. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I suppose. I, uh, if I may, I would recommend a new line of work. I can make some recommendations. I know some folks always looking to hire good uh, forward-thinking adventurers. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think I could use a new path. She tells you, and I'm going to have to go find my notebook. Oh, wait, there it is. Okay, hold on. I realized I don't even remember their names because that's not the town you guys are in in the main story anymore. Wait, hold on. Momentary distraction. (laughs) I wasn't expecting an actual momentary distraction, but thank you. Oh, I don't... Yeah, I know. I should have seen that coming. That's on me. Um, Are you familiar with a city called Varen? Yeah, vaguely. There's a business there uh, run by... Two friends of mine, their names are Izzo and Daisha. They sort of do contract work for different people. Find adventurers to fill different jobs. They might have some use for you. Are, are they they're good people, right? Yes, absolutely. Their methods are not like Hondo's. I, I think I could use some time with good people. So be it. Yahweh does seem to enjoy giving us new opportunities. May we make the most of them. Yeah. Uh, she grabs you by the hand, pulls you up, and she reaches into her uh, sort of this... It looks, it looks like it's meant to be a sheath for a weapon, but it appears to have like multiple compartments on it. She reaches in and she pulls five arrows out. When he told me to come here today, he instructed me to bring you these. And she sets five arrows in your hand. Um, you've not seen them before. You, you've not seen ones like them before. Make me a... Anyway, make me either survival, medicine, or arcana. Oh, there you go. Okay, so I'm going to put these in chat so you can see them. You don't know the name of these, but you're pretty sure that when you shoot this arrow, if it hits, these kind of shards of light burst out of it, and any any of your allies within five feet uh, heal for 1d6. Oh, that's cool. May these be of use to you in the future. It seems you have chosen a path of assistance to others as evidenced by how you treated the mercenary gentleman you look over and you actually see him standing under the tree and he kind of just nods appreciatively okay yeah um so one of the things i'm going to do uh we could probably get more into this after this scene uh but i'm gonna take like a little 
roll for the arrows, and, like roll them up in a bundle. Okay. And I'm going to draw the insignia of the uh, guiding star on it. So like whatever the equivalent of Polaris, the North Star. Okay, sure. I'm going to put that insignia on this pouch. Uh, I'm fine with guiding star. If you right. kind of want to do like... I, we can elaborate on that in a bit, but if you want sure. to finish out this scene, we can do that. She actually takes her... So she has a, a mace in her hand. She presses it into, a ground, into the ground, and it leaves a mark. And it's like, an, uh, like a stylized version of the Star of Bethlehem. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking something similar. Okay. So good. That'll work. Yeah, we're there. Uh, and she, as, as she ha she stands up, and she turns to walk off. Um. May Yahweh bless your journey forward, Batten. May He see you safely. And you as well, Ms. She looks at you, smiles, nods, and walks. Be careful. I'm sure I will see you again. We can only hope. Uh, she walks off, and so basically what you have around you now are the three uh, halflings who have been untied, and the human uh, you let kind of walk away from the battle. Uh, their carts are gone, all their supplies are gone. And now it's just you and them, and you're, you know you're maybe two or three hours from the nearest town. Not a terrible distance, but it is getting it is getting dark. What do? Two or three hours from the nearest town. You could get there if you push it. I think I, w I would ask if I could uh, stay with this group for a little while, at least see them through to wherever they need to go. I'll be on my way past that. The halflings look a little confused, but the, the human gentleman walks over. Um, thank you. I, I can take them the rest of the way to where they were delivering their supplies if you if you can get us to the first town yeah i can i can get us there and listen it was never about the violence or the fighting for me i just thought i knew where i could use my skills he kind of looks at you he puts the he puts his sword up same i understand the halflings look at him a little bit surprised, um, kind of that he came back, and he looks at them, smiles. Job's not done. Well, I guess this will be the first time I finish a job right. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, so yeah. you guys make your way back to the town. You get them squared away. Uh, the halflings have a business contact in the town, and they pay the mercenary, and they actually also give you ten gold. Uh, and one of the halflings, um, wherever Yahweh may lead you, we would like to start you on your journey. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you are maybe two or three days journey to Varen from here. And you, you've been there a couple of times. Um, Hondo has a few business contacts in the area. But he doesn't, he doesn't go there often enough that you think it'll be a problem if you do. Yeah, I will, um, I guess, refresh my supplies and uh, 
probably pick up uh I don't know, horses are expensive, aren't they? Fairly. Yeah. Uh I guess I'll just pack up my stuff and start. You could probably rent one pretty easily. And just yeah. like leave it in that town without that yeah. being a problem. Yeah, I'll just I'll rent a pony. Nothing nothing extravagant and make my way towards Vera. And at at first camp I will uh take off my old cloak I was wearing with the bandits and just toss it in the fire. Okay. Uh as you do, you kind of look and you see on your shoulder where the uh where she Shay cut you with the dart. There's a little kind of pulsing glowing marker that is looks kind of like that star. Uh so you you finish your camping there. You arrive in Varen, and it's you can see the marks kind of still there, but it's not glowing anymore. Uh, until you step towards the shop uh, that she told you to, you could find Izzo and Daisha. The sign out front says the big board, and out front you see a, a dwarven woman who looks up, looks at you, smiles, and then the the mark on your arm starts to glow again, and she looks at you. Huh. She sent us another one. Welcome. We'll uh, see how we can get you started over. Okay. So, that has been the story of how, how Vatten stopped being a bandit. Just to put it bluntly. Yeah. I, I knew when, like, when we first made your character, I knew that was, that was something you had wanted in your backstory was kind of that bandit lifestyle, but that it had been something that you had walked away from for a particular reason. So that that seemed like a good opportunity for to to for that to be the story we told for for him. Yeah, I I felt like it made the most narrative sense, um, and just kind of reaching like a a point where you just can't put up with whatever injustices were going on. At some point, the cost gets too high. Sure. Um, the the other thing we. I, I kind of alluded to with the whole uh, guiding star thing was um, an idea that I had that we never like had a discussion or put like down was um, an idea that you floated past in season one was that everyone has these different interpretations or aspects of Yahweh in the game. Sure. And for Vatten, his was going to be the guiding star. But similar to the the passage in Psalms about the word being a lamp into your feet and light into your path. Oh yeah, yeah, sure. That's, that sort of idea. So when when Vatten says that he realizes he needs to find a new path, it's kind of like a a reference to the guiding star, finding some way to some sort of light guide to live by, because he'd lost his. Right. Okay. I like that. That's good. And I think... And, and it makes sense for a ranger. Like, you... that That's how you know your way around. Absolutely. Actually, yeah, that makes... Uh, that works nicely, sort of, yeah, like, with the survival aspect of the character and the the ranger background, that being how you... How, how Vatten would identify with Yahweh. I like that. That's good. Yeah. Another thing, I think, and this is a discussion you and I had, um, not on a recording, but was kind of the concept of not just numbering each episode, but titling each episode. So I've been titling all the side quests. 
and this one is called finding a place to cross. Sort of like, like, like you said, kind of finding that breaking point, finding where you need to cross the line. Uh, be it a, a bad line or a good line, I guess. Preferably not crossing appropriate lines, but in, the, yeah. in this case, finding something you're uncomfortable with and, and deciding, like you said, where that needs to change. Yeah, I think that's true. a big part of, his, of who Vatten is, is, is deciding, okay, I, I can't work with this anymore. Yeah, and and I think recently it's played out to his character very well because he's trying to encourage others to change their path as well. That's what we did with the bandits, what we did one of the side quests. Uh, kind of the direction I'm trying to take him anyway is this, what was the term that I sent you? It was like warrior therapist. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah, where where he he's, can try and talk... He fights when he has to and is pretty accomplished at it, but really wants to to get to the the real heart of what the conflict is and and try and convince people through words, even if you have to fight. Right. I mean, just because you you start a fight doesn't mean it has to end the way most fights do. Yeah. You you have those opportunities to push people a different direction, lead them down a different path. Yeah. To change, even even if you know in in defeat you can find the victory, like especially especially for the way we've been running the campaign as this semi non lethal. Like even if we beat someone, we still give them the chance to uh, to change, as it were. Giving giving yeah, like, giving people an opportunity to start over. Yeah, which is what he got, and so something that he will push other people for. I like that. And when all else fails, you just put the orcs in timeout until it's over. Yeah, I make them think about what they did. Where there's no toys, and there's just contemplation. And, and to yeah. be fair, actually, sometimes that is very helpful. Sometimes you need to just take a step back and reconsider how you've been handling things. And I think yep. you, you guys keep pushing people that direction, but it, it makes for an interesting, an interesting way it plays out. Yeah, and uh, I think Vatten's character has kind of evolved into fitting that mold better. I, th I think at the beginning I was trying to play him a little too grizzled, a little too hard-boiled, and frankly it, it came off as boring for me. Okay. But also wasn't didn't really mesh with the some of the other dynamics that were going on in the group, I felt. but Well, but I, and I think it, that still plays nicely into his backstory because... Yeah, he's working. He's working through some stuff, and and he's he's kind of finding where he needs to be. And then, like, there's a timeline for the side quest. Some of them take place, you know, years before the main story. Some of them just a couple of weeks. Yours, in, in theory, is probably relatively close to when the main story uh, of the second campaign starts. So, you know, like you said, there's still a point where he's still trying to figure stuff out. You know, giving up, walking away from years of of a particular functioning basis for how you handle things and then all of a sudden I need to do this differently it, it takes some getting used to yep yeah I, I mean it I, takes I, like what it takes like three weeks to break a habit or something yeah did I, did I make that up is that accurate uh, 21 days to form a habit maybe so. that's that's what I was thinking of there you go it, you know changing who you are and, and how you handle you know your every day is, is complicated at times 
And I think it, it's it's interesting to see, you know, you make that transition because it's, you know, Peter's character, like Bertrand is very much, that's always who Bertrand's been. So it's very easy for him to make those choices, but it would be more difficult for Vatten to just very suddenly, not just on his own, but go from a group who has very, not very, but has, you know, more harsh methods, more aggressive methods to a group that basically does the exact opposite of that at, a, at any given moment. Uh, yeah. Um, and I think one of the most important lessons for Vatten up to this point is in the first, like, like in the early campaign, um, he realized that he can't just be the same person, but doing a different kind of thing. He has to actually change methodologies and approaches like, right. Yeah. 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 So thank He's not just like, you know, the grizzled bandit ranger, but now for good, it's like, no, no, you have to actually, you have to actually work on your character too. You can't just, you can't take that same sort of harsh approach and, you know, shoot first and ask questions later. And still expect to get the same, to get a, a different. And, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. To, you know, improve people and make a difference in the way that you want to. Right. Shoot first, ask questions later with your bow and arrow doesn't necessarily work out the same way with, with a new outlook on, on how you treat people. Yeah, which is good because I'm learning a lot of this by observing, you know, like Bertrand's character and like his approach to stuff and 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 how like a cleric, you know, would would approach a conflict. So, right, not just from a yeah, yeah yeah, not just from a standpoint of making sure everyone's back to full hit points, but actually really trying to yeah uh, personally improve people yeah and, and their situations. Like, it also pays off to work with that on a meta level. Uh, I was paying attention to, you know, how Peter and Grant and uh, Ginny uh, are approaching their characters. And, like, I had an idea, but the characters fit better if I just massage mine a little bit in a way that makes sense to the context of the story. So, I, I like that, yeah. Make, you know, kind of making it... Finding what the that group fit and kind of making everybody letting everybody do what their character is meant to do, but do it in a, in a fashion that's complementary to the rest of the group. And that intentionality that you guys kind of walk around with to do things a certain, with a certain, a certain manner, mannerism and certain attitude towards actually just helping people, not just, not just being mercenaries who do whatever, being adventurers with an intention to help, irrespective of what the situation is yeah and uh, that's something i really like about working with our group is, is that they they all seem to be pretty conscious of like what the purpose of city on a hill is what sort of message you're sending out when you do things i mean that's even why they have that whole thing about why they had their podcast on like treasure and where it comes from because you're still being that intentional about even just the the little minutia of D and D, not just the characters, right? And and I think that that comes um, from us getting further into this. Like being family friendly was the original intention, but fe- being family friendly, not just in content, but also in the actual 
you know implementation implementation and story is not necessarily like wasn't necessarily my original plan to this extent it's just kind of how it's it's evolved and particularly like you know with how peter and and grant and, and jenny and ben and you and and william have approached things it kind of it's led us down a different direction but i think it's been a really funny in some cases because how you guys tend to resolve uh different situations and, and conflicts has actually been really entertaining. <laughs> and it's, you know, I think it's, it's made it different, but in a way I'm very happy with. Yeah. Oh, all right. One, one more thing before we sign off, uh, on a completely unrelated, just to be clear, the arrows, I shoot an enemy and it does damage to them. And then someone standing beside them gets healed. Yes. Any of your allies, uh, okay. that are within a square of said person who got hit by arrow right. uh, do heal. So I don't shoot my teammate. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Just, you know, this is going to be fine. It's like going to the doctor and getting a shot. Trust me. It's going to work. Um, so, and actually, I should do this now while I think of it. Welcome to City on a Hill Gaming. Uh, I am Ryan. Joining me tonight for this side quest is Daniel, playing his character Vatten. Hello, everyone. This is one of our side quests where we tell sometimes just unrelated stories, or in this case, stories individual to each of the main series characters, uh, sort of how they ended up in, in the position to find themselves as the person they are when our game started. And we're kind of working our way through those. This one is uh, for Daniel's Elven Ranger Vatten. Uh, Elven Gloomstalker, Vatten, I think now. Third, third level Ranger Gloomstalker. Yes. Uh, and his background as a bandit member. Um, so yeah, if you enjoyed this, you can find our other side quests and our main series, uh, which at the time of recording is through 12 episodes of campaign number two, I believe. Maybe a few more out before this comes out. I'm not sure when this will release yet. Uh, you can find it at cityonahillgaming.com, City on a Hill Gaming, wherever you find your podcasts. Uh, if you use any of the lovely apps, if you can't find us there, let me know either by emailing us cityonahillgaming at gmail.com or finding us on Twitter at cityonahillgame. Uh, and let me know what you think of the episodes and where you could not find us so I can try and resolve that. Um, I think we're most places. At this point, a lot of the podcatchers just pull from iTunes, so that makes it easier. So yeah, uh, go check us out. Check out uh, Peter Grant and Jenny from Saving the Game, stgcast.org, Saving the Game on Twitter. Uh, and I believe also it's either stgcast or Saving the Game on Twitch, uh, where they stream every Friday, not just D&D, some kind of all sorts of different stuff, game prep. Uh, Jenny plays a lot of interesting games. Uh, she played Around the World in 80 Days. I think that's what it, it may just be called 80 Days, but it's, it's a simulator similar to the original story. It was really cool. Um, Peter plays a lot of turn-based tactical shooters and, and does some game prep and uh, Grant taught him to play Minecraft because Peter had never played Minecraft before uh, and Grant does a lot of game prep and, and stuff like that so go check them out and uh, we hope you have a blessed day we will talk to you later thanks for listening to City on the Hill Gaming for more information you can find us online at cityonthehillgaming.com email us at cityonthehillgaming at gmail.com or find us on twitter at cityonthehillgaming for more information on saving the game, you can find Peter Grant and Jenny at stgcast.org or at Saving the Game on Twitter. Thanks, and have a blessed day.
drop him that sweet, sweet info you have, sir. All right. Um, I'm going to do a shameless plug for something. Well, it's not really shameless if I'm not involved in it at all. But one of my favorite charity fundraiser events uh, will be airing soon. It happens every single year. It's called Desert Bus for Hope. Uh, this is a group of people who play the game Desert Bus in a marathon-style uh situation that they raise money for child's play charity and the more money you give them the longer they have to play and this how much money awesome. will get how much money will get you two points uh you well get one point for every round trip you I, take on the bus yeah. eight hours there and back the eight hours there and back so however long it takes for them to drive for 16 hours straight in real time uh, yes, and for each hour, the uh, cost goes up by 7%. Anyway, last year they raised uh, a total of $730,000. And they're still driving now? No, no. <laughs> that they lasted, typically drive that for, lasted about for about a week because it maxes out because you're doing 7% increases. Yeah. Uh, so that's going to start on November 8th at 8 a.m., uh, Pacific time. All the information you can look at is at desertbus.org and uh, they're streaming it at twitch.tv slash desertbus. They do all sorts of um, charity auctions and giveaways. Uh, yeah, lots of guests show up. Um, uh, yeah, Chat's you, a great place to hang out. It's all sorts of fun. It yeah. really is a, a pretty great event. Yeah, it is absolutely wonderful. So that's happening on November 8th twitch.tv slash desert bus check it out uh it's really a wonderful time the 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 actual in real like uh in real time bus driving is probably the most inconsequential part of what happens that entire time it's it is really a tiny just part the of background. the screen <laughs> but yeah. uh, it, it is a good time and it does go to a, a genuinely really good cause